0: Now, we've been talking about space tourism a fair bit, obvious reasons. You know, you've got Richard Branson and uh, Jeff Bezos running the billionaire space race this month. Both of them successfully launching into, well, very, very low, even suborbit orbit space. Uh, lots of discussion about the positives and the negatives around this. The money, you know, we've talked about that and the benefit it could have for humanity if it was spent in other ways. It's their money to spend, though, and I understand that. Every time we've talked about this space tourism, though, The audience has sent me a number of messages. The text line lights up with people saying, what about the environment? You know, you want to talk about CO2 emissions and and burning of fuels and all that sort of thing. What kind of an impact is this space tourism industry possibly going to have? Are we turning a blind eye to the environmental impacts of space tourism? So we're going to have a discussion about that now. Joining us is Eloise Marais, who is an associate professor in physical geography at the University College in London. Um, Eloise, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I appreciate your time.
1: Yeah, it's great to be on your show. So you've taken a look at this,
0: uh, sort of taking a look at the environmental impacts. Do we know the consequences that this kind of space travel has just in terms of the impact on the environment? And there's more than one area here, right?
1: Yeah, so we definitely have an idea of what the environmental impact is of the individual fuels that the major players are using in the space tourism industry. Um, So we know what kinds of chemicals are released, we know roughly where they'll be released into the atmosphere, and we know what the consequences are of those individual chemicals, like uh, warming or cooling the climate, or very importantly, depleting ozone in the layer in the atmosphere that protects us from incoming UV radiation. Right. But a large source of uncertainty is what the scale of the, the, the space tourism industry will be.
0: What it will ultimately be. So, but one of the, obviously you're talking about what we would call that air pollution, right? It's typically what we would consider to be air pollution. We know that's going to be an element of this space tourism and it already has been with the two launches.
1: Yeah, so a combination of air pollution as well as impact on climate
0: Right. The greenhouse gas emissions. So uh, let's let's break yeah, those yeah. two down a little bit. When we talk about the air pollution, what kind of chemicals do we know are involved there and um, what kind of impacts can they potentially have if this does become, you know, a
1: large-scale industry? Yeah. So all rockets produce water vapor, which sounds innocuous, but unfortunately when it's released into the upper atmosphere, it can lead to the formation of clouds, and clouds can have a cooling effect, but they can also have a warming effect depending on the circumstances. All of the rockets also produce nitrogen oxides, or NOx, and when that's released into the stratosphere, that contributes to depletion of ozone, again, in that safe layer of of the atmosphere that's protecting us from UV radiation.
0: And the other one is CO2 emissions. Uh, We're talking about just a massive amount of fuel that's burned every time one of these is launched, right?
1: Yeah, it's really large quantities of fuel, especially when you think of just four passengers (laughs) on each each space flight compared to an aircraft which can hold 400 to 800 or whatever the the size can reach. Um, Yeah, so CO2 emissions don't come from all the rockets. So, for example, uh, the Blue Origin rocket just runs on hydrogen and oxygen, so it's going to produce water vapor and NOx whereas uh, the Virgin Galactic space plane will produce CO2, and when SpaceX eventually does their demonstration, that will also produce CO2. Um,
0: You know, it's like drawing that comparison between, you know, passenger flight on airplanes that we typically talk about, that's something that's always seen as an environmental liability and something that is a big, big problem. Just contrast the two. When we're talking about the kinds of emissions from... Passenger air that we know of to this space passenger air. How how much of a difference is it?
1: Yeah, it's it's quite a difference, and it really depends on which pollutants we're we're evaluating. So okay. the space flights don't go particularly far. No, <laughs> so eighty kilometres, a hundred odd kilometres, compared to a long haul flight, which can take you from, well, for me, Atlanta to Johannesburg, a <laughs> really long flight. Um, and and so it's sort of passenger kilometres are considerably fewer for these space flights um, than they are for, for a long-haul flight. And so the, the nitrogen oxide or NOx emissions and the CO2 emissions, not for Blue Origin, of course, because it doesn't produce CO2, right. but the CO2 emissions are a lot higher for, for these space flights. The The, the chemicals released or a lot higher for these space flights than a long-haul flight.
0: Now, I understand we're in the infancy of this industry. Of course, we've had two flights, so we shouldn't get too far ahead of ourselves. But is there consideration in, in these developments? You know, is that something? I, I know the Bezos one did at least give a, a passing mention to the environment and, and working on, on limiting that. But what are the alternatives? I mean, is that something that they're exploring?
1: Yeah, so there are certain environmental impact assessments that do take place like the Van Horn site. I think in 2014 there was an environmental impact report to assess what the influence would be on the local environment. Um but there hasn't been a sort of holistic assessment of the in the impact on the environment at a sort of full capacity. And okay. the the issue with these kinds of chemicals is that they're quite different from the from aircraft from the emissions that were you know the pollution sources that we're used to in that they inject pollutants directly into multiple layers in the atmosphere and in the upper atmosphere they can last for two to three years so they can have a compounding impact Mm -hmm. on the atmosphere so you know if we have a sustained space tourism industry over time we just have this accumulation of of pollutants so i think we really need to know what the scale of the space tourism industry could become so that we can run these through the kinds of simulations that can represent all of these complex effects on the atmosphere in terms of pollution and climate change, to be able to say what the potential environmental impact could be.
0: Interesting. And hopefully,
1: in doing that, motivate um, some <laughs> yeah. sort of regulation or, or, you know, international treaty that can develop regulation to m- at least mitigate the influence of a, a nascent space tourism industry on the environment.
0: Yeah, it has to be a consideration. Absolutely. Eloise, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was great chatting with you. Thank you very much. Thank you. That is Eloise Murray who is an Associate Professor in Physical Geography at the University College in London.